You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 64 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? Great to have you here as always, and thanks a million for finding this pod and this app. Now, before we get to today's guest, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to share a few things that I've seen recently that have truly resonated with me, thoughts or statements that didn't just sound cool, but spurred me to take action because after all, a thought, no matter how creative or ambitious, does not mean jack if there's not any actual action behind it. So in no particular order, let me shoot out a few of these things and let's get started. First, my guy Eric Thomas, who claims to be the top motivational speaker in the world, and by the way, he might be, and if he's not, he's absolutely on the short list. He said something that truly resonated with me when he said, quote, this is the moment. This is life or death. This is the time to get up and change your life. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about the degree or the touchdown or the check at the end of the grind. It's about getting up every day, understanding your power, walking in your purpose, knowing what you want, and spending every minute of the rest of your life going after it. End of quote. Now go ahead and find me a more powerful statement than that. Oh, wait. I'm not sure you can. Listen to what he just said. This is the moment. This is life or death. This is the time to get up and change your life. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about the degree or the touchdown or the check at the end of the grind. It's about getting up every day, understanding your power, walking in your purpose, knowing what you want, and spending every minute of the rest of your life getting after it. I mean, E.T. literally summed up my entire approach. My entire approach and my personal culture in about five or so lines. Approach and culture being, this is it. This is life or death. Move, go, do it right now. Get the hell up and change your life and attack it with a sense of urgency that you have never brought to anything prior to this because... This is your life, and you are on the clock, and no one is going to do any of the work for you. And remember, it's not about the end result. It's about having a mission. It's about knowing your personal process and your personal program, and then every single day executing on that. No days off. Know that mission, be obsessed with that mission, and execute accordingly, and then all those things that you think you want will come to fruition. But don't chase fame. Don't chase money. Don't chase accolades. Instead, just become obsessed with executing your process and that personal program that you created for yourself, and then the rest will come. And remember, this is the moment, and this is life or death. Another one of my personal favorites. Another one of my personal favorites is Jocko Willink. I'd even go as far as to say that Jocko may very well be the goat in this space. Jocko wrote one of the most powerful books I have ever read, and I reread it all the time. Discipline equals freedom. Like, ultimately, we're all playing the hand that we're dealt. Obviously, you want to play the hell out of whatever hand that is. I've always maintained that I never really felt exceptional in any one area personally or professionally, never really felt that I was smarter, more talented, or more gifted really in anything at all than anybody else in any room that I walked into. So knowing this, where was I going to find separation? How would I find success? In the margins, in the intangibles, in the grit, in the grind, and yes, indisciplined. And while it sounds counterintuitive, 
Discipline actually does lead to freedom. Now, just knowing the importance of discipline does not mean that I'm always disciplined. In fact, oftentimes, I'm not. And it's destructive. Anytime I give in to impulse, or I bust into the pantry, or as Jocko says, yield to short-term gratification over long-term domination, it does tremendous damage to me, both mentally and physically, and then you're off the path. And in my case, sometimes, if I make a poor choice, I think, well... I lost that battle. Screw it. I might as well go all in. Have another donut because I'm already off the path. What does it matter? I'll just start start over again tomorrow. I mean, what a pathetic mindset, right? And even worse, sometimes I don't get right right away. And then a mini spiral results. The standard is no longer the standard because I've given in. I'm out of alignment. Chaos reigns supreme. Shit. Now what? That's where my dude Jocko comes in with this genius line, quote, when I let discipline down, notice what he says there, when I let discipline down, that's another great concept that Jocko and his guy Leif Babin constantly hammer home, extreme ownership, extreme ownership of everything that happens in your life. Don't complain. Don't blame somebody else. Don't play the role of victim. No one did anything to you. You did this to yourself. Own it. If you fell off the path, it's not because of something someone said or did to you or the universe jacking with you or the world being out to get you. It's because you gave in. It's because you did not hold the line. I know. I do this all the time. And every time I do... Honestly, I hate myself for it. So what do you do when you fall off the path? You don't beat yourself up over it because you're wasting even more time. You get your ass back on the path as quickly as possible. Now back to what Jocko said, quote, I love this, quote, when I let discipline down, there's only one thing to do, and that's get back on the path. Get back on it. Cleanse yourself in the fire and the suffering of the discipline. That path that leads to freedom, end of quote. I mean, holy crap, that line, that line. Cleanse yourself in the fire and the suffering of the discipline. Like, I don't have any ink. I don't have any tats. But that's one that I would have branded onto my skin. Cleanse yourself in the fire and the suffering of the discipline. A perfect line if I've ever heard one. Like, Jock was an absolute monster in every sense of the word. And I mean that with the utmost respect. The guy's 51, and he's an absolute behemoth of a man. Forged through years and years on a squat rack, on the jujitsu mat, and getting up at 4.30 a.m. every single morning. And in his words, getting after it every single day. So an interviewer recently asked Jocko something that I think many of you listening can relate to. The interview asks, quote, Any advice to men who are getting older and are becoming chronically aware of it? End of quote. Like, I don't know about you, but I could have asked that question myself. That applies directly to me. I think about that all the time. Jocko immediately responded to the query by saying, quote, listen to this now, quote, yes, lift weights, do jujitsu, go for runs, stretch out, eat good, stop drinking. It's pretty straightforward. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Every day that you don't do work, you're going backwards. End of quote. I mean, right? I love this dude. He is so right. You're either going forwards or you're going backwards because nobody stays the same. Push back hard on father time. Fight deterioration. 
If you don't use it, you will lose it. Oh, and eat clean and stop drinking. I don't know about you, but I've been rethinking my relationship with food and alcohol quite a bit lately. Seems to me now it's time to stop thinking about it and do something about it. As for my guy Jocko, his ability to lead, motivate, inspire, and communicate are just unparalleled. Which brings me to my guy Ed Milet. Ed is in the same category. Whenever I'm in a room of people whom I consider elite in every regard, like mindset, approach, strategy, tactics, discipline, action, inevitably, every last one of them points to Ed as the mastermind. I mean, understandably, this is an extraordinary thinker, an extraordinary person, frankly, a cut above in that he's really playing a different game at a different speed than the rest of us. Honestly, his social media messaging, for instance, is especially brilliant, simple, but extremely hard hitting. He said something the other day that was so simple, but powerful. Ed asked, quote, day one or one day, day one or one day, I mean, Profanity alert because I'm about to drop an F-bomb because I feel really strongly about this. Because before I saw that post, I spent the last couple of years fighting and trying to implement that very concept. Like in some cases where I do fall off the path, I'll immediately beat myself up and blurt out to nobody in particular, day fucking one. Day fucking one. Let's go. And you know what? It works. It works until the next time I fall off the path, and then the process repeats once again. So Ed Milet is asking the same thing, except a little more eloquently. Are you going to get started, i.e. day one? Or are you just going to keep thinking about it and waiting for everything to line up perfectly and then and only then shoot your shot? In other words, one day. One day I'll start that business. One day I'll start that book. One day I'll build that app. And then one day you finally realize you just lost 10 years and that day never came. So I would imagine a number of you have a workout regimen. I know I do. I hit the cardio hard. I go hard on cardio every single day. I'll throw the weights around a little bit, but definitely I'm a huge, huge cardio guy. And the one thing I know about that is I have to have a good way to replenish electrolytes. I've got a program. I've got a way to go about it. My pals at Element have helped me with this. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no filters, no BS. And it's formulated to help anybody with electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, and paleo diet. That's me. And then on top of that, here's what else I love about Element. It can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. By the way, I used to suffer from all those things. I would get headaches and cramps and not sleep well. Element is used by everybody from NBA, NFL, and NHL players, Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, to everyday moms and dads and exercise enthusiasts. It's that good. And right now, Element is offering you a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a tremendous way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at Drink. 
lmnt.com slash Rome. This deal is only available through my link. So check this out. You have to go to D-R-I-N-K lmnt.com slash Rome. Try it risk-free. If you don't like it, Share it with a salty friend, and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Once again, drinkelement.com slash Rome. So no matter where you are, you need to start right now. Not fully researched? Doesn't matter. Not fully flushed out? Doesn't matter. Start right now. Start today. Day one. Day freaking one. Finish listening to this episode, then start. Because there is no such thing as one day. One day is a lie. I'll give you an example. Personally, I'd been putting off a project, and I asked one of my collaborators, are we going to talk some more about what this looks like, what it feels like, or are we going to start? And he said, Jim, it's time to start. It's go time. And we did, and I can tell you I felt 100 times better because I moved that project from one day to day one. It felt great. My guy, Ed, thanks for a great reminder. One more person I want to reference before I get to our guest, a person that you may have heard on this pod recently, Wes Watson. Wes Watson did 10 years in the penitentiary where he did extraordinary work on his mind and body only to emerge as a multi-multi-millionaire in under five years' time and is one of the most focused, disciplined dudes I've ever seen. His messaging resonates with me because he never negotiates with himself, ever. He created a personal program and a standard and never, ever deviates from it. That's what enabled him to not only survive that 10-year stretch in the pen, but thrive in it and what has enabled him to absolutely kill it now on the outside. Now, there are plenty of things that he teaches that I relate pretty strongly to, but one of my favorite lines of his is so simple, but yet again, so powerful. Quote, you look the way you live. You look the way you live. I mean, that's so true, right? When you walk into any room, how you look, how you carry yourself, the vibe you're throwing off, the impression you make really is a result of whether or not you're a person who is living with great intention discipline, and a sense of urgency. You do look the way you live. He's not wrong. For instance, if I cut some weight and I lean out, it's not by accident. It was a choice and a lifestyle play. And by the same token, if it starts to get away from me, the same exact thing in reverse. Like I was not living with that same intensity, that same purpose, that same obsession with the mission. He's right. You do look the way you live. You look the way you live. Remember that because everybody else sees it and knows it. Once again, just some things that I've seen recently that really resonated with me and I thought that I'd share with you. Now, much of what I talk about on this podcast is what I have experienced myself. But that said, because I'm on a mission to improve and reinvent, I should say, I'm looking to interact and study others who have done the same thing So if there's something that really resonates with me, I want to share that with you because if it helps me, I'm guessing it's going to help you as well. Now, again, one of the reasons I started this pod is because I wanted to meet and interact with people that I admire, that I know I can learn from, people that I may or may not already know. For instance, Julianne Sitch is somebody I'd never met, but I wanted to meet. Julianne is a pioneer. She is one of just two females coaching men's soccer in Division Three in the NCAAs. She recently became the first female ever 
to win a national championship coaching a men's soccer team. So she just made history, and I was really interested in meeting her to talk about her process. And most of all, I wanted to have her explain her, quote, championship mindset. This is somebody that I was eager to talk to, and as expected, the conversation did not disappoint. In fact, I loved it. It's episode 64 of the Reinvention Project with the coach of the national champion, U Chicago men's soccer team, Julianne Sitch, and it's coming at you right now. Julianne, it is absolutely awesome to meet you and to speak with you. Thank you so much for making time. How are things? Things are great. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. All right. So you have a remarkable journey. You're in the midst of a remarkable journey. But if you could, can you take us back to the beginning? For instance, what were you like growing up? And did you kind of go from sport to sport? Or were you singularly focused on soccer from the very beginning? Yeah, so I was extremely competitive. I loved every sport. I started playing soccer when I was six, and I actually was the only girl on an all-boys team. Uh, I remember coming away from those trainings, telling my dad that I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So I knew very early on that that was a goal and a dream of mine. And then I played kind of every sport growing up, always competing in the neighborhood um, with any of the neighborhood kids that were around or wanted to play basketball, or even if it was capture the flag, like I had to win. So I was just very competitive kid, soccer, volleyball, basketball, track, um, you know, gymnastics. And then it wasn't until high school that I really started to focus on soccer. That was when I made the shift and kind of told my parents that soccer, you know, was the main sport that I wanted to continue to pursue and go after that dream of being a professional. So I had stepped away from all other sports and just focused on soccer um, in high school. And then it kind of led me to college, led me to playing professionally abroad playing professionally in the States and then into my coaching career. So very fortunate of the the career I had in, in soccer. All right. So let me ask you this. I've got to hit you with one of my things that I'm most curious about. And I asked this of most guests, but nature or nurture, for instance, regarding your grit and your grind, your drive and your work ethic, how much of that, in your opinion, is hard wiring as opposed to how much of that were you able to cultivate and develop? Oh, that is a great question. Um, Man, I probably a little bit of both, but like my nature, like my dad would play Nerf basketball in the bedrooms with uh, my brother, my sister and I, like just growing up, we'd compete against it. He would never let us win. Like there was nothing that he was, oh, I'm going to let my kid win or whatever. So it was always just that competitive drive and eagerness that I feel like I grew up with and being around within my family. And then I think you kind of, nurtured it in other environments that I, you know, became a part of. All right. So Joanne, just so everybody understands this, you are one of two women to coach division three men's soccer teams and the first ever to win an NCAA championship. I mean, given the journey that you have traveled, the history that you have made, how long did that championship take to really sink in? And then when you did really fully get your head around it, what kind of emotions did you experience when it finally hit you? Yeah, um, I think I'm still soaking a lot of it in, um, to be honest. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey. And I think for myself, just all the things that you kind of go through throughout your career and getting to a place, the team was absolutely unbelievable. Everything that they gave this season, you know, was incredible to be, a, you know, to be a part of. And just kind of watching them celebrate and go through everything was is 
I think one of the biggest moments that I found um, to just be really filled with gratitude and stuff, because I have been very fortunate where I had a moment, you know, winning a national championship when I played professionally. And just those memories that you created with your teammate through that journey is something that I still remember every day and relate to my career and stuff. And so to be able to watch the guys have that moment together on the field, in the locker room, back on campus, you know, it's, um, it's just something that is, you know, unique that not everyone gets to experience. So really making sure that we soak those moments up and feeling, you know, grateful for them. Oh yeah. You know, I love that sound. That is actually my favorite sound. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. I love Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Regardless of what you're selling, whatever it is, Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And Shopify is packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. It can do all of that for you. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every single step of the way. I mean, this truly is an incredible product and proposition. See, what's incredible to me about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take your business to the next level. So now it's your turn to get serious about selling. It's your turn to try Shopify today. This is Possibility, and it's powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E to take your business to the next level right now. Shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E. I mean, it seems to me the whole thing is just so, so unique. For instance, as you point out, you played professionally and you were an assistant coach at U Chicago. So clearly you were more than qualified for this amazing opportunity. But again, traditionally, women coached women, men coached men, men coached women, but women hadn't coached men. So despite your great qualifications, I'm curious, when you interviewed for that job and they asked you to lay out your vision for the program, how did you respond? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I had known a lot about the program previously because I did work at U Chicago on the women's side. So I'd coached there for, you know, four seasons. And so I was very familiar with the men's side, very familiar with the prior staffs that's been there um, and knew the culture and what the previous staffs were trying to lay. And one of those previous staffs is my now assistant. So, you know, I knew a lot about that culture and the stuff that they were going after. So for myself, it wasn't about coming in and changing everything. The programs had been very successful and they had been to the final fours. And, you know, I knew that they were chasing that championship. So it was more about what could I bring or add to that environment that I had learned along my way throughout my careers and bringing a different mentality or just approach to things. And it wasn't necessarily about going in and changing everything. So I think I talked a lot about, you know, not 
looking to come in and change everything, but here's the things that I could add, or this is the vision, you know, having for the team that I knew that we were in a place to win a championship and what that was going to take and look like. Now, I've done this a long time. Every coach that I ever speak to, regardless of sports, talks about what you just talked about, and that's the importance of culture. I understand that you inherited a program that was extremely successful already, but still culture is a really important thing. I'm sure there was part of you that just wanted to kind of implement, well, wanted to extend the existing culture because it worked, but what kind of a culture were you looking to build within the program? What did you want to add to it? Yeah, you know, um, I think adding... One, I've been a part of a lot of teams where, you know, maybe we weren't the best team on paper, but we had just this grit and resilience and unity that no one was ever going to break. And I've been a part of that. I know what that feels like. And being a part of teams where on paper, we could have won World Cups, but we didn't have that unity and we didn't have that cohesiveness um, to want to work for each other. And so I knew trying to instill that in different ways for the team and, what that culture and stuff would look like. We talked about like a champion mindset. That's something that I learned and kind of developed throughout my career of having that mindset of being a champion of your own life and being a champion and owning the bit and owning the moments and how we, you know, hold ourselves and each other accountable underneath that. What does that look like in our every single day? We all know that there's potential days where you don't show up and you don't feel hundred percent, right? You feel 50. Awesome. You own it. What What's that 50% that you're going to bring to the team? Um, being a champion of by being a good teammate, by being, um, you know, like holding yourself accountable in these moments, looking to get better every single day. Are you bringing your work ethic and attitude? Those are two things that are non-negotiables for me. You can control that, right? You can control how you want to show up every day and the attitude that you want to bring and the work ethic that you want to bring and will help foster all the other areas that come with it, but bringing those pieces. And so we did, we talked about just having a champion mindset, but it didn't mean equating to winning championships. It meant about like just owning the moments that are in front of us every single day and looking to get better. All right. So I've got a confession, Julianne. One of the reasons I wanted to meet you and talk to you, one, I'm fascinated by your journey, but I wanted to ask you about that very thing. I wanted to ask you about that very thing because I know that was one of the very first things you said to your team when you met with your team. You wanted to describe to them exactly what you just described to me, the championship mindset. I'm fascinated by that, the championship mindset. So when it comes to a championship mindset, ultimately, are you always focused on the end goal or maybe are you never actually focused on chasing the end goal? <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Actually, I did, I think originally have the championship mindset and I thought so much about that. And I'm like, you know, it's not about the championship. It's about champion, like just being a champion um, again of our days of, of those moments. And so um, that's why I, I kind of said like, it doesn't equate to just winning championships. It, it, it means about just getting better every single day. Right. I, um, having a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. Um, how do we get better every day? What does that look like? And, um, that was definitely one of the bigger things, you know, kind of going into this. And like I said, use this in my own life, right? I want to have a growth mindset. I want to get better. I, I want to be coachable as a coach. I have to continue to grow. So how can the players, you know, asking them to be coachable so they can continue to grow and develop and be at the best that they can. So I think the championship is not 
the end product. It's about how we get there as well. And all the little tiny steps and stuff that we do, you know, we talked um, through the season, we broke things up to, um, you know, when I started with them in the spring, we talked about our spring season when we met in the, and for preseason, we talked about that preseason. Then we talked about September, which was our pre-conference games. Then we got to conference. We talked about conference. And then when we got to postseason, we talked about postseason and kind of breaking those like steps down. And I think, you know, success doesn't always have to come just with the championship at the end. Like success can come from a lot of different things. You know, did your team get better throughout the season? Did your culture grow? Um, did they learn and develop and grow throughout the season? Um, where you started to where you finished? Did you grow with that? Did you, was it successful in the culture that you, and the environment that you're trying to create for your team? You know, so I think there's a lot of different ways that you can break down success. And I think that's different for every coach. I think that's different for every program. And for every individual. Now, it would seem pretty yeah, self-evident, yep. right? But pretty self-evident, but not to ask a really obvious question, but what is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset so we're all cognizant of not having a fixed mindset? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great book that's out there. I think it's by Carl Dweck, I believe is her name. Um, and it's, you know, just talks about how you can communicate with people so people don't have a fixed mindset and being able to approach things with a grow like hey we're gonna this is a growing opportunity for us you know and i think if something were to go wrong you can look at it two ways um you know you can be super upset that this happened and it went wrong or whatever you can be like hey this is a growing moment for us how can we get better in this situation what happened why did it why did it break down let's look at those things let's grow with this let's so it's about how you like approach things and look at things and a fixed mindset is kind of like the one answer, like the fix that just kind of, you know, brings it to you and you don't look at it as a growing opportunity. You know, the book you referenced is a legendary book. I know a lot of coaches, <laughs> professional coaches that have read that book. So when you look at it, I mean, are you looking to win every day or maybe do we break that down even more? Are you looking to win every hour, every minute? What are we looking to win here? Yeah, you can a hundred percent break it down to look at every, every moment like that throughout your day. Um, and winning like those small little victories throughout the day. Um, you know, and I, it's funny too, because I, um, you know, of course I can still be, be guilty of this. I'm not, you know, perfect. And, you know, some days when it's raining or it's cold and you wake up automatically and you're like, oh man, it's raining. Like it's going to be a miserable day or something. Right. Like, well, that's not great. Right. Like, how do you just approach that and change it? Like, Hey, you know what? It's raining today. I'm going to bring my rain jacket. Right. Like that's, that's a positive attitude. That's a mindset. Like I just won that morning. Right. So I think it's about too, like the approach of how you go through things or how you let, um, you know, little setbacks or certain things throughout your day, like affect your day. So I think hundred percent owning different moments and minutes and hours of your day. Julianne, do you ever fall off the path? And if you fall off the path, I mean, we all do, right? And I think we know, those who know, know the secret is when you fall off the path, get back on as quickly as possible. But do you ever veer off the path? And if you do, how far off the path do you veer? Are you talking in terms of like being positive or like in terms of falling off veer, like your team is falling off? No, I mean, no, exactly. More, more personally, more in terms of positivity mindset in your personal approach. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. You know, um, sometimes you go through some difficult times and, you know, you just um, find yourself maybe complaining a little bit more or not wanting to see the silver lining in certain things. And I think, those moments are natural. And I think I've learned too, as I've gotten older, like sometimes I 
have been more harsh with myself in those moments because I try to be very positive and look at things and be grateful for opportunities or be grateful for, you know, the things that I have. And at times, you know, sometimes things happen and you feel upset. And I think we have to accept our reality, right. As well as like things can be hard. Um, and things that like help for me is, you know, writing three things down that I'm grateful for before the day starts at the end of the day, um, and, and trying to break things down, um, set many goals for yourself throughout the day. You know, maybe if I'm like, just kind of going through a slump or feeling, you know, frustrated or, you know, with things or whatever, I kind of write down, like, here's three focus points for the day. I want to hit these things or, Hey, I really want to connect with this person today, you know? And then like, at the end of the day, I reflect back like, Oh yeah, because sometimes you can have a bad day. Right. And then maybe you're only thinking about the bad day because of that one moment that happened, but there's so many other hours in the day that you're neglecting because you're just focusing on that negative point. So when you sit back down at, at night and you reflect back to your day, I always think about like, what are three wins throughout the day? What were three great things that happened? And I found that when I started doing that, I was like, wow, I focused on that one negative part, but I forgot about these three other awesome things that happened or that conversation I had with so-and-so was so great, but I forgot about that because I was focusing so much on that one negative point. So when I do kind of fall off of that, um, that path, I, I, I journal or I sit down at five minutes a night and write down the three things I'm grateful for and think about the three wins of the day. Um, and it really started to help shift that mindset and to shift about the really positive things that do happen throughout your day that sometimes get cloudy by maybe the frustration we've had. I love that so much. What a great response. I, I feel like it's kind of like a default thing. And I don't know why this is, but do we not gravitate towards the negative as opposed to the positive? Do we not gravitate towards the thing that's just really not even that big a thing, but we're allowing it to bother us as opposed to gratitude itself? Like if you get in that habit of writing down those three things that were actual wins or things you're grateful for, I mean, is there a process whereby we start to kind of rewire our minds? Is that how that works? Yeah, absolutely. And you just start seeing things differently or maybe you, you spill your coffee and maybe your reaction in the past was, you know, you felt this rage or you're so angry and maybe you spill your coffee and you're like, okay, I'll just get a, get a napkin or whatever and clean it up. Right. Like, I think you do start to kind of see a shift in how you react to react to things. So you know, what's so interesting, just going back to your team for a minute, like you at U Chicago, you have some amazing players. You have all Americans. You have some of the best of the best and you're coaching them and you played at a very high level yourself and you've been a high level coach. However, it's the first time these young men have been coached by a woman. I'm curious, when you first got there, what was it like initially? In other words, how long did it take for them to embrace you and fully buy in? Um, I never felt any pushback. I think I was very fortunate and the guys, I think, well, I don't think I know, like I, they welcomed me on day one, you know, and, um, I think it's been, I feel very fortunate with that because I know I'm, I've told them, like, I, I understand I'm the first time, you know, that many of you have had a female coach and first time my staff has worked with a female and stuff. And, you know, I think I never felt any pushback from administration, staff, players, um, you know, anything. So I feel very fortunate for that. And, you know, I think we um, hit the ground running right away. I mean, it's it's not surprising given the quality of people that are involved and the quality of athlete. But how did it feel to have them react to you the way they did? That literally upon meeting them, they embraced you and bought in. 
I mean, how did that hit you? That hit you pretty hard. Was that a really neat thing? Um, yeah, it was neat. You know, I think, um, because I, I like the same thing that I'll say, like I, whether I'm coaching men or women or where, you know, wherever I'm coaching, like my culture doesn't change. My standards don't change. My expectations don't change. Like I really just want to help people continue to grow and develop and be the best that they can both on and off the field. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, they just want to get better too. Right. And so I think that, um, that's how they approached it. They, they just wanted to be better. Any athlete would say that about any coach. I just want to improve. If they can help me improve, then I'm interested. I mean, in, in effect, what we're talking about here, you're not coaching gender. You're coaching athletes. You're coaching people. Fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wonder, you you may not have set out to be a pioneer, but I think you certainly are that. What does that represent to you? You know, I think that's probably been um, one of the most humbling and just um, – things that I'm really grateful for, because when you kind of said, you know, when does it soak in or when have it soaked in? And I think that when I really think about, think about it and sit down, um, you know, I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of the team. And I wish the team got so much more credit on this unbelievable <laughs> undefeated season that every athlete knows that is so hard to do. Um, and doesn't happen very often. And I think there's a crazy stat and I'm probably going to butcher the stat, but it was something about only one of six teams in NCAA history to ever go undefeated and win a championship. And that is just incredible, you know, and I, um, you know, I, I wish the guys got that credit because that is a lot of hard work. And when I think about these moments, it's also just such a humbling experience that, I really hope that with the with the success of the team that we've had this year, that it it inspires and pushes young girls to go out there and to go after leadership roles, whether it be in sport or in the corporate world, and that it gives them an opportunity to see it and dream it and believe it and aspire to go and be it. And I, you know, and I hope the same thing for young guys and young boys and stuff as well, that it just opens up the doors for people to continue to go after their dreams and, you know, aspire to be to be um, in these positions. So just a few things before I let you go to that point, like I'm curious, how much of your personal success, both as an athlete and a coach and a leader, as a result of the work you put in in the so-called unseen hours? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, coaches in general, coaches, I think teachers fall into this big time too. And I'm sure I'm missing a lot of other, there's a lot of um, hours that you put in behind. And, you know, I just even think about as a kid and what these athletes in general do behind closed doors to be fit, to be ready for seasons. You know, you have to have a different level of commitment when you have to go out and run fitness on your own because you have to be fit for season. Right. And I think there's the same thing for a lot of coaches. We do a lot of work behind the scenes to prepare our teams and to get ready, you know, for our seasons and stuff as well. So definitely a lot of work for, from both, from both sides that, you know, people put in to be prepared and ready for season. You bet. You know, when we started, you talked about how, when you first started playing soccer as a six-year-old, you played on boys teams growing up. So your soccer idols were actually guys. And then your father took you to see the 1999 women's world cup while you were in high school. What kind of an impact did that tournament, that experience have on you and your mindset? Yeah. I mean, it was, I talk about that a lot because, you know, for myself, it was, I did. My role models were men soccer players. I didn't have other female icons to to look up to. And so I had this dream about playing professionally, 
And the games I went to started going to were all MLS, Chicago Fire and, you know, and all that. And I, you know, still wanted to have that dream. And it wasn't until that moment of watching the 99ers win. And then when they started the WUSA league where I was like, oh my gosh, my dream can actually become a reality. Like here it is. And um, that, that moment was crucial for me. And I think too, that's probably, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm not really sure. I don't remember, but I'm sure that's probably one main reason too, why I only focused on soccer because that dream was starting to become more and more within reach that I could go after that, um, you know, with the 99ers and them starting that professional, that first professional league. You know, it's so interesting. Leave me with this thought. Leave me with two thoughts. So I've got, we have a son who goes to Wisconsin. He's going to graduate very shortly and I'm going to do a keynote speech. You know, I've done this a long time. I'm, I'm much older. I'm in my late fifties now. So I know that I say to my son, you can't run my playbook. It won't work for you. He also wants to be in the media business, more along the lines of news or pop culture or something than sports. But I'm like, you can't run my playbook. It won't work. And then it hits me that I can't run my playbook because the world has changed so dramatically. I mean, should we be looking for a lot of balance or in order to be really successful, do you need to kind of be obsessed? And if you're not obsessed, do you get obsessed with being obsessed? Like, how do we approach these things now? Can you have that level of success without being all in, all out, no days off. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like growing up in our days, like there was no days off. Like you played all the time. You didn't have, you know, anything. And now there's so much of this different science of things of, you know, periodization and, you know, going through different periods of, of, of training and different levels of that. So I think there's a, there's a balance of everything, right? I think you can take balances from no days off and being obsessed to balance of you do need some time off because you do need to recover and you need to, and sometimes I've learned as I've gotten older that sometimes less is more, you know, where is that balance and stuff as well? So I don't know if I really have the answer for that because I still feel like I try to figure that out myself. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's a balance and there's positives to, to both of those things. I think so. So help me with this. I think that, I mean, obviously you're working with young athletes, but I think your message is timeless. And I think that we could broaden this out. Like if I were to say to you, you know, what would you tell a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, I hate to say this, not to be harsh, but a 60-year-old never was, you know, just somebody a little bit older in a rut or somebody burned out or somebody who has lost their mojo, how do they go about kind of rebuilding or rejuvenating themselves? What advice would you have for that person? Because I know a lot of people listening kind of feel that way. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I think if we're relating things to like sport and stuff, I always just go back to the joy that you all like, why did you play? Why did you play the sports? Why, you know, why did we get into it? And, you know, we often talk about sometimes, um, you know, play for the little girl inside you. That was something that we talked about when I was like in my playing days of playing, right? Like, what is that? We, we played because we loved it. Um, you know, and sometimes you can find yourself in those stressful moments or all of a sudden the thing that you loved brought you stress. And I think it's about getting back to why did it bring you joy, you know, and I think that looks different for everybody. And so I think trying to go back to, you know, <laughs> the moments that it brought you joy, what did it feel like? What did it look like? And bring yourself back to that spot. And sometimes it is just going and playing pickup, playing pickup of your sport and just going out and 
playing with a new group or, you know, doing a, a fun race or get involved in a, a league or something like that and just find that joy again. Because I think that is sometimes why we get burnt out is because we we do it so much and we're we're missing the joy that's in it and why we why we got involved and why we got committed to it in the first place. All right. So a final question, I would imagine where you are right now, like it hasn't even sunk in yet what you've accomplished. And, you know, you're still very young, obviously, but I would imagine the environment you're in to, to be at a university like that, which is just a one of the world's most renowned, prestigious schools. And then you have a chance to coach a national champion and you're around some of the best and brightest. I mean, the environment must be absolutely so stimulating And I know you'll tell me because I know as a coach and an athlete that you need to be where your feet are. I understand that too. What do you think that you'll do beyond that? I mean, I I, I get, I get that everything's in front of you and I hate that whole, well, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? I hate that. But I mean, can you see yourself (laughs) doing this for the rest of your life? Is there, are there other things that would appeal to you? Like you're so dynamic. What other things are on your mind as you look out there and look ahead? Man, I like, I just feel, I have no idea. I love, I I love what I'm doing right now, you know? And so I, I find a lot of joy in working with players and working with athletes. And I find a lot of joy in watching them be successful. And, you know, that's, that's my focus right now. I get it. That's why I almost didn't ask it, but (laughs) But that, that's how much respect and how interesting I think you are. Julianne, I really do appreciate the conversation so much. I, I think there's so much good insight and so much good information. And frankly, the reason this is like my side hustle to my side hustle. But the reason I'm doing this is because I'm going through this process myself. And I want to make sure that somehow, some way, that even at this age, I'm trying to make sure that my next 25 are my best 25, that my best days are not behind me. And I want to meet people and have conversations like this. So that's a long way of saying thank you so much for doing that. It is an absolute pleasure to meet you and I appreciate it very very much well thank you very much Jim I really appreciate it Um, again it was an honor to be on your show and thank you for having me Julianne Sitch is a pioneer she's an incredible leader teacher motivator and coach and I think has an amazing message and not just for young girls but for all young people both in and outside of athletics And it's as inspiring as it is hopeful. Find your passion and your dream and attack it with everything you have. No shortcuts, no hacks. All in, all out, every day. And then truly anything is possible. She has proven that and continues to prove it on a daily basis. Once again, I hope you guys much out of that conversation as I did. If so, can you do me a favor? Can you make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never have to go looking for it and it will find you whenever a new episode drops? And if you can leave a review, that would be incredible as well. Once again, it does mean the world to me that you found this pod and you've worked it into your rotation. Thanks again for the support and for taking this journey with me. And I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.